Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. And I'm Matthew Derrigish. You're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be taking a look at the deep cuts and forgotten stories of the Spider-Man library, looking for lost gems and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Today we'll be talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 505, Vibes. Story is going to be by Fiona Avery and J. Michael Straczynski. The script is by Fiona Avery. Pictures are by John Romita Jr., inks are by Scott Hanna, colors are by Matt Milia, and letters are by Corey Petit. That's quite a few credits for one little issue. Uh, before we begin, if you'd like to read this story before Matt and I discuss it, Amazing Spider-Man number 505 is available on Marvel Unlimited, Comixology, and in trade, though I am pretty sure the trade is out of print at this point. As of recording, a physical copy of 505 is going between 3 and $8 plus shipping on eBay, so nothing that's really going to break the bank unless you're trying to buy a whole bunch of issues at once. Uh, Matt... Do you have any stories about collecting this one? This is just before I started buying the individual floppies. I think this came out in 2004. I didn't start collecting until 2008. But you are my senior in both collection and age. Is is this one of the ones that you were picking up? Yeah, this is back when I was really starting to get into picking up monthly comics more regularly. And I got a subscription through the mail for amazing spider-man and i just pulled this back out and was somewhat horrified to remember that the entire edge of this comic was banged up and it's wrinkled and just not in great condition because i opted for that marvel subscription which notoriously doesn't leave you with great copies so it sounds like you're gonna have one of those three dollar issues rather than the eight dollar issue if that <laughs> i had the, i had the same experience with uh the, the subscription though like my my first comics came to me in the mail in college and even though it had like a do not bend uh sticker on there they typically would like roll it up and slide it into my little mail slot and so yeah, no, I, I feel you there. So beyond bemoaning the condition of our particular copies, uh, do you want to <laughs> reel us in with the synopsis of this one? All right. Well, this is another one-parter. I think at the front of the cover mentions that it's the first part of an arc, or it might have been the solicit on Marvel Unlimited. But either way, this is really just kind of a one-and-done story. It takes place right after like Pete and Mary Jane have repaired their relationship somewhat. But uh, MJ gets called back to the West Coast for a audition for uh, like a, a movie part. And so Spider-Man goes out for a swing while she's gone and happens upon two cops who are staking out a bike thief. As it turns out, the thief is a child who has a gun and Spider-Man races to intervene before the situation escalates and someone gets shot. Uh, the kid escapes on foot, but Spidey eventually finds him on a roof where they have like a heart-to-heart and kind of like a mentor. Uh, Spider-Man learns that the kid is bullied, and so he like brings the gun to kind of prove that he's like you know a tough guy and a man. And Spider-Man talks to him about bullying and how to respond to bullies and stuff. And you know eventually it, it leads to the kid being safely returned to his father. Everyone hugs. It's it's a heartwarming, touching moment. Does that about sum it up? Was there anything else I missed? That, that- that's a perfect synopsis. Well, I guess I guess there's also like the B plot where Mary Jane goes and then finds out that she didn't get the part because there's a new producer on the film and he doesn't think Mary Jane is a real actress or whatever. 
whatever. Like, honestly, the B-plot doesn't really tie much into this issue. I think that plot point gets picked up in the next issue, which I guess is how you could sell this as the first part in an arc. Yeah, there's there's really not much going on with the B-plot here. This is really more about the A-plot. There is, but there's a bit of a through line between the, the smaller parts of the story that comes together, I believe. Okay, well, uh, do you want to talk about that? Because I, I definitely did not see a, like a really strong connection between the A and the B-plot. Uh, it seemed to me like the B-plot really only existed so that there would be an excuse for Spider-Man to leave the presence of the police so he could call Mary Jane and then, you know, coincidentally spot the kid before the police do so he could intervene before the situation escalated. Sure. Uh, before I launch into this, I want to admit what I'm going to say is a bit of a reach and a bit of a stretch, but it is rooted in what this story is titled which is Vibes, uh, which I remember seeing a note somewhere at the time that this story was based on actual scientific research around this. And initially, I thought it was going to be a bit more around the spider sense and that relating to Vibes somehow. But it's much more about interpersonal connections, which goes to more of what the research indicated at the time. Uh, If you're curious about that, I followed it lightly, and the research made a... bit of a resurgence around 2014 and uh, took some different angles from where it was at the time this issue was written. But at the time it was very loose and basically was just saying that the vibes that you get from someone are based on certain instincts that animals exhibit as well and that there's an actual a through line from nature to our socio practices that actually lead into the idea that vibes are a truly scientific phenomenon, which Peter is relaying to Mary Jane as she's going off for the flight to accept this part. And uh, he's using that also as a way to be talking to her as a way to kind of say, I don't want to say goodbye because they just had reunited after a long time apart uh, in this uh, JMS run. And so this was kind of a touching moment showing the marriage at the time. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I think it's such an interesting character beat and the way that J.R.J.R. draws Mary Jane's deadpan face as she's listening to like Peter geek out about like ant pheromones was amazing one of my complaints about the art in this run is that i feel like jrjr sometimes just really messes up faces but this is one of the times where he does it perfectly and it really elevates the uh the sequence kind of like the humor of the sequence because honestly it's very dry reading this this what is essentially the dump of an abstract from a scholastic paper right well and two this points to something that i particularly loved about the straczynski take on spider-man overall which is that he wasn't afraid to write the character smart almost to his detriment in certain aspects, which it was at this point, you know, light, you know, no stakes, but just kind of boring your significant other, but she kind of gets the sweetness of it too, which I feel like if you're going to give the Mary Jane Spider-Man relationship, any credence moments like this have to be shown. And it's just perfect for me. Just uh, again, another note is that Straczynski did not script this one. Uh, Fiona Avery did, but I do like, 
he i mean he helped with the the plotting you know as per the the credits but like i i do feel like a lot of these beats especially this this beginning one it was just like very indicative of his own writing so you know i don't know if that was on like uh avery did that intentionally or if if you know if that was just a happy coincidence that their their styles seem to match up it would be almost impossible to parse because fiona avery is very clearly kind of under the tutelage of jms throughout her entire career basically up to a certain point as she worked on projects that were exclusively jms's property whether it being rising stars or babylon 5 so the idea that she would write very similarly and have similar sensibilities uh is just part and parcel with how her career unfolded. So trying to draw that line, I think is an impossible distinction. Uh, I did not know that. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to uh, elucidate that point a little bit. If I could return though, really quick, cause I didn't even get to, mm-hmm. cause I was given such a long preamble. Um, the reason I think the Mary Jane story in here where she's at the, uh, where her career bit falls apart goes to the vibes thing is she's talking to Peter on the phone and because she's not there in person, they're trying to relate, like he's trying to relate to her, but they're not in the same space. They're just talking to each other. And for that, he's saying the right things, but he can't pick up on the vibes. So there's kind of a bit of a misconnect. And so that goes to kind of why the heart and despite the fact not understanding the people there reading the vibe off of the kid who had the gun and the cops at the time and reading that situation just kind of plays throughout the story it's a really loose thread that i feel like i'm reaching for but since it's the title and it's one issue and they give such a large preamble to it at the beginning I feel justified in reaching for it, at least. No, no, what what you're saying makes sense. And while I think that it's re- really understated in this in this comic, uh, I think you're I think you're definitely onto something there. Um, whether or not this is us trying to project more meaning onto this title than we think there is, or or this was just perhaps something that they could have made a little bit more overt. I'm not sure. But I like what you said. That's what I'm going to uh, think the title is referring to. And and, and in this episode of The Untold Talks with Spider-Man, we rely on the fact that the intent of the author is not the only aspect of the story and the way to read it. <laughs> Was that Roland Barth? The author is dead? <sighs> I... Yeah, there's a million takes that we could lean in on that, which I don't think we need to explore. Oh, we're, we're revealing our English degrees. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've kind of like danced around like the meat and the potatoes of the story, which is like this interaction between this child and these two police officers and Spider-Man's intervention. And I mean, granted, the, the story was written in 2004, but it's very difficult to not notice the the racial discrepancy between the characters in 2018. You know, there's a, a young black child with a gun and two white police officers. Um, you know, it's it's very hard to read that and not not look at it with modern sensibility. Like I had to read this twice 
just because the first time I was reading it, I was so on the edge of my seat. It hits so close to, you know, our modern environment and not to get political or, you know, to offend anyone's sensibilities if you don't think this is an issue, but it is an issue. And it's just telling, you're not not telling, but perhaps speaks to the, uh, what am I looking for? Well, I, I hope I'm reading this right. I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I, I think you're saying this was understated, but it does speak to the race relations at the time. This is mm-hmm. inner city youth in New York. It is a black kid and he has a gun and he's clearly stealing these bikes to deal with some very small things, but things that are very real to his situation. And what's more to what you're saying about this maybe feeling a bit more relevant in today's world is that I think it's handled flawlessly, in my opinion, my, my estimation. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I, I, you know, maybe not flawlessly, but I think it's handled very well and very tastefully. You know, especially just the way that Spider-Man talks to the kid and, you know, the way the way he talks talks to him is is very indicative of someone who's trying to de-escalate a situation there's not a lot of action in this issue and i i'm glad for that like this is a, a very much so a downplayed and somber and you know uh i don't want to say like intellectual but like emotional emotional issue you know where peter touches on you know some of some of his own ideas on bullying and like almost talks to this kid as like father and son you know even though even though the, this this child clearly has like a, a loving father as, as seen in, in the last the last panel and peter is able to reach this child by talking about his father uh the child's father rather but uh it, it's, it's it's a very warm you can feel the warmth that this character is trying to extend to this child who's clearly confused and scared and you know trying trying to figure out what it means to you know to be his own person and perhaps doing going about that the wrong way and beyond the race bit this handles a bit about the gun debate in a certain way that it took me a pause because it made me re-examine how i'd been thinking about it recently because there's been a lot of talk about the right and the, the responsibility not even the responsibility though and that that was the thing here because you know spider-man responsibility mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. but it, it's not phrased in a way that's after school special which has happened in a handful of spider-man comics and we will get to those one day <laughs> but in this issue it's summed up very succinctly to say you could do this you could pick up this gun and, and there's nothing to say like you couldn't or you don't have the right it's to say when you do, there's a weight. And when you do, all the people saying that you wouldn't do something like this, you're proving them right. You're not proving them wrong. This is a, just an incredibly well-crafted conversation in this uh, in this comic. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what really to add past that. It's just, it's, it's something that like, I feel like you have to kind of experience for yourself and read yourself to, to really grasp just you know how how well done it is and just the the subtleties and how the the entire time the entire time spider-man's talking to this child it's 
you know, I, I said father and son earlier, but you know that that kind of implies that it's not the equal footing. That it's someone someone with some sort of authority talking to someone without authority. But the entire time Spider Man is talking to this child, he, he reminds the child that this is your decision to make. Like these are your choices. You know, I just want you to understand what those choices mean, and you might not understand that because your judgment is being clouded through bullying and that's that's something that spider-man you know spider-man understand well in two because there is this sense that you know spider-man's the cool Mm -hmm. superhero he starts off by saying like you've seen how much i get beaten up and get my head knocked around and that didn't start when i put on the suit that started when i was someone more Mm -hmm. like you and it rang true on just so many levels for that this was a nice reminder of a Spider-Man comic that feels like a Spider-Man comic through and through while, like you said, not really having any action. There's no punching in this issue, but there's uh, something that's just as captivating and it didn't need the high action to sell itself, which is refreshing. Definitely. Um, we normally talk, you know, in these about like how how these stories fit within like the Spider-Man mythos. But how do you feel like this story fits in just as like a superhero tale, like as as a way of both like escape and catharsis? Like, like what role do you think this story plays in the greater idea of what a superhero is and like like these these kind of like role models almost i mean i i think it's a great example of that idea of a role model and why these superheroes to i feel the people who are invested in spider-man enough to either do a podcast be part of a network listen to podcasts about a character resonate with people like that but for people who say are just going to some of the superhero movies and want some whiz bang and you know hijinks off of it this is the sort of thing that i think would befuddle them and not would be what they'd expect from these sort of stories and it's the kind of uh this has been the sort of thing where when i come back to the comics i find what i found so valuable and so informative and so worthwhile in these characters and not anything that I get to talk about when I try to talk about with Spider-Man with people who have only seen the movies. I also think that like these these stories and stories like this, they definitely represent a fantasy because when these situations happen in real life, and you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate when they do. Like there isn't someone with like you know a, a incorruptible moral compass who with with you know, godlike powers who can come in and make sure that everyone has a happy ending. And so, you know, reading these kind of stories acts almost as like a, a catharsis to to the, the the almost like unending darkness of <laughs> that that can happen sometimes in life. The, these are the kind of stories that I feel like elevate superheroics into what some people refer to as modern myths um you know i have a lot of problems with people referring to comic books and like superheroes as like modern myth figures uh, like on the whole but when we're when we start talking about more tales like this that's when i begin to like more agree 
with the idea of of you know marvel comics or dc comics or whoever as as modern mythological figures in that sense i i feel like it's more of a billy the kid than a thor the thunder guy yeah. you know what i mean like myth can take different form and function and it's important to have some of that discrepancy when you have so many thrown around and spider-man should be in a different place i feel to that end like pulling this back a little bit uh how do you feel this says something about spider-man as a character well i mean i feel like this this fits in the tradition and you know that's something i'm going to be saying a lot here until we look at i feel like this fits in the tradition and that's something i feel like i'm going to be saying a lot as we you know cover some of these later issues rather than the earlier issues that maybe started some of these tropes but this fits in the tradition of the like role model slash beacon Spider-Man. Um, you know, we see kind of metafictionally in issues like the the Stanley story. I cannot remember off the top of my head what number, but the, the issue about the drugs where they they bucked the comic code, um, and then like and then you know the 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 Spider-Man and Power Pack like uh, um, you know PSA comics, and then and then as we move move more into like the fictional elements as people who grew up reading spider-man and seeing him in like psas and you know reading some of these comics like pumping up where you know there is an element of don't do drugs you know be a good person etc etc it it fits within that tradition and this also kind of similar to like the kid who collects spider-man and that like spider-man acts as uh like hope for 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 people or like you know lee leah from friendly neighborhood spider-man annual number one you know stories so i feel like this story fits in the spider-man mythos in the same way it it builds up Spider-Man's moral character, the, the the person who who lives by the mantra with great power that must also come great responsibility. Uh, I feel like these stories like this are what give that mantra credence uh, because you see the great responsibility. Like Spider-Man could have very easily just like webbed this kid up and held him over a street lamp like he does so many times with common muggers or or what what have you but he takes the time to see this kid and see like this is just a kid he's down the wrong path like he doesn't need you know me to go in there and beat him up he needs someone to go in and listen to him so that that that's how i feel like this this fits in with the spider-man mythos yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean did did you have anything you wanted to add to that or so all all of that to say, I, I feel like this is a very important issue of Spider-Man. You know, maybe not like as far as continuity goes, but to understand the character and to understand the character in a modern context. So, you know, that being said, we we tend to grade these as of I think like two episodes ago whether or not we want these to remain untold or to be reissued for people to re-examine and reappreciate. and i would definitely say this is one that needs to be reissued uh what what would you say matt i agree this isn't just a spider-man comic spider-man fan should read this is a comic and a story people should just read uh yeah i i agree wholeheartedly um so the next the next step for this is to put it in our great web of ranking 
<laughs> I, I feel like this place is going to be a lot less contentious than perhaps family family business was and where our placing is because i'm putting this right at the top how about you i agree i think this sits above our uh hamburger laden issue as fun as it was it's hard to ignore that this is a greater story speaking of the hamburgers not to go super light after some heavy discussion but if you guys are not following our twitter Kurt Busiak actually responded to our episode about pumping up, shedding a little bit of light onto the hamburger eating sequence. Apparently, according to him, that scene originally was supposed to be Man Mount Marco shooting up steroids while watching the news but the editor at the time he just said editor he didn't uh, he didn't specify which one if it was the spider-man editor or if it was the editor-in-chief changed it would not allow it and uh, i'm trying to remember his exact turn of phrase that he used but uh sweaty demented uh wimpy scene uh wimpy being the hamburger eating character from uh popeye which Matt, I think you made a small reference to um, when we recorded that episode about uh, the hamburger tomorrow for ha- yeah right. Uh, so again, so if you're not following our Twitter, you would have missed out on that. So, and if you are following our Twitter um, and you missed out on that, you need to pay better attention. He also liked my description of uh grant morrison as that crazy bald guy with the magic because apparently he was thinking of mysterio before i said grant morrison which launched to a few different people photoshopping grant morrison's face onto various mysterio panels and those were fantastic it was hilarious so um that's that's enough about me talking about our twitter feed (laughs) um I think that's that's about it for what we got for this issue. Uh, we got a little bit of news regarding our next episode of the show. It's going to be a little special. Um, Matt, I almost I almost spilled the beans right there with the wrong M name. Uh, why don't you tell us about this, uh, about our next episode? All right, next episode, we are excited to announce that the only person who wrote a deep synopsis of issues 430 and 431 of The Amazing Spider-Man, in which Carnage takes over the body of the silver surfer will be coming onto our show you you may have heard of him it's someone who writes a certain blog a chasing amazing blog it's mark Ginocchio. <laughs> Woo! i wonder how he feels about being twice over the only one who's talked about this carnage two-part story uh, we should definitely ask him that. <laughs> yeah, so we're really excited to have Mark over. Uh, clearly, you know, uh, you guys can hear him his podcast ideas over at Amazing Spider Talk, uh, you know, our parent podcast. But we are... Ex- wait! What? Wait, wait. You're telling me these are the same Mark Ginocchios? Yeah, yeah, it's the same guy. Oh, wow! Uh He's also the same Mark Ginocchio that uh, wrote uh, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. What? This man is a powerhouse <laughs> of Spider-Man knowledge. Well, all the better for him to, uh, you know, be on our show. Although this this 
uh, this, these two issues, there is a Star Wars reference uh, somewhere in the dialogue, I think in the second issue. So perhaps we grabbed the wrong ho- co-host of Amazing Spider Talk for that, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks for everyone for listening to this episode of Untold Talks of Spider-Man. You can always subscribe to this show via the podcast service that you probably found this on. If you found this through the website, links for all those podcast services will be in the show notes. Just scroll down just a little bit. Uh, Feel free to leave a review with your opinions. We love to hear you guys' feedback. If you would like to support the show in a more monetary sense, please consider joining the Amazing Spider Talk Patreon. $3.99 a month gets you exclusive access to my and Matt's Spider-Man B-Title reviews, as well as the Amazing Spider-Talks reviews of Amazing Spider-Man, and access to our Patreon-only Slack channel and our greater Slack channel board. I'm not sure what you actually call a Slack. Let's just call it a chat room, because that's what it is. Um, It's a channel. It's a channel. You know that's that's your web 2.0 lingo. We're we're still talking with emoticons and and BB boards uh, or BBS boards here with me. Uh, anyway, back to this exhilarating take on our Patreon. A $10 a month pledge grants you access to the Excelsior Club, where you'll receive two commissioned pieces of art from a Spider-Man artist per year. Uh, Now that we have that out of the way, Matt, where can we find your musing and antidotes on the internet, specifically the ones about Avengers uh, Infinity War? Because uh, you've been talking to me a little bit about it, and you have some pretty, pretty hashtag hot takes. Oh, man. Well, for all that... When I'm more willing to discuss it, uh, I'll be uh, on Twitter at MagicalMatt42. And of course, you can always find me on my other comic book podcast, Never Stay Dead, found wherever great podcasts are sold. Kane, where can we find you online? First, we're going to backtrack just a second. What is this podcast about? Because... The title sounds like you might be doing some sort of like Ben Riley clone conspiracy kind of situation. And I'm a little concerned uh, because I don't know if you've known this, but my name, uh, I, I share a name with a particular clone. So I'm, I'm very, very uh, sensitive to cloned issues. I just want to make sure that we're all above board here. You're not cloning people, are you? How did you get clones from that no we're just talking about comic books well, it's called never stay dead right yeah because people don't stay dead in comic well, books man yeah yeah but like it's it's the, the, <laughs> that was that was the plot line to this this large spider-man story that just came out called the clone conspiracy you might have heard about it. i'm contractually obligated to not talk about spider-man <laughs> on that show <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Kane Writes. Um, you can figure out what kind of rights that is. Um, All right. And before we finish outing, I do want to expend a special thank you and notice to the Ultimate Spin, your ultimate podcast for talking about the Miles Morales Spider-Man stories and the Gwen Stacy Spider-Woman stories going forward. Those guys do a great job, and they've been wonderful to shout us out, and I feel we've been remiss not to do so thus far. 
100% correct there. Um, you know, it's a great podcast. They're great guys. They're super knowledgeable. I love listening to them. Uh, if you have any comments for the show, this show, you can uh, always tweet at us under our Twitter handle, Untold Talks SPMN. You can contact us via Facebook at Untold Talks of Spider-Man. Or you can also email the show at UntoldTalksOfSpiderMan at gmail.com. Uh, there's no hyphen in that Spider-Man Gmail won't let us do that. I'll one day stop mentioning that, but it still bothers me every time I log into the email, so I'm still going to mention it. Special thanks goes to the Ellie Badge for providing our intro theme song. If you'd like to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, please check out the show notes for the links. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Matt? No, I'm good. Okay. Well, until Matt and I get cast in The Amazing Lobster Man and have to fly out to L.A., make mine untold. That's why JJ pays me the big bucks. Say cheese! Cheese!